Coming to you live, Justin. Hitbox from my new apartment. Ooh. As you can see shiny. here, you won't be able to see this in the um, in the podcast because it's um, just an audio file. But as you can see, I have placed a Hyrule shield <laughs> in the background so you know that this is a place for video games. Yeah. It's just propped up on some stuff. <laughs> yeah, my room's been empty for a while, so I still have my shelves back there, but it's just not yeah. in the frame per se, but I still have some of it. It's also lessened too, but like, yeah. 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 And, and right here is Bastion from Overwatch as a Lego set. Oh, pretty good set, to be honest. Yeah, with you. yeah. Um, I saw the Mario set of Legos was discounted. It's probably still way too much money, but I don't like those. Like I, those Mario sets are not for me. First of all, I like I don't have like a deep love in my heart for Mario. You know what I mean? And, and like I don't want to like devote like a whole section of my house to Mario. Um, and then also, uh, I mean, the sets are just like a lot more like toy focused of like. Having them jump on stuff and whatever, I'm and, um, I, and I'm with you with one yeah. exception, the question mark box. The question mark bl- box and the Bowser one's pretty cool. Uh, the, the, to me, if I saw that one, it was a good price uh, under a hundred, which I know is asking a lot. I would buy it easily. No, a thousand percent twice. Well, Josh, my my former roommate, oh, sad, oh, sad, oh. sad as of yesterday. Sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had that question mark box and it like opens up, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like the top kind of opens up. There's a little play set in it, like little miniature parts. So like even yeah. smaller than regular Lego stuff. It's like the uh, the castle. It's like Mario 64, right? Yeah. Uh, much I think. Like uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But that was that's the one the Lego set I want, because I mean, I, I like Legos, but I like Legos as like a. I'll make them. It's like a puzzle. But like when you're spending one hundred dollars for a Lego set, like I don't have a ton of display room in my life to display and that's things. The thing. That's the thing. I've got two two pretty big Lego sets um, that I have to find a place for in here. I've got the um, the Daily Bugle, which is a cool one. It's super sick. It is in a thousand pieces right now, probably more closer to six thousand four hundred, which is what it is. Uh, it was demolished in the move, like on purpose was, or by accident. I uh, it was not on. Pr- Let me say, if it were up to me. It'd be it'd be it would be in a one single piece, piece. yeah, <laughs> one one big completed piece. Um, so I guess I'll let, let you figure out which <laughs> what you infer which which whether that was on accident or on purpose. Um, so that is going to be like <laughs> a lot of time. And like plus, That's, like unless it was contained in a nice little box, it's probably not as easy because when you buy those, the, the Lego machine is so like. At this point to make them, you have your bags that you open in a certain order. Yep, they give you like yep. just a certain amount to do. But having it all probably. So um, it was my father who destroyed this set. And oh. I was like, I'm not mad. Just disappointed. <laughs> <at> you. <laughs> I'm just thinking about when I'm going to do this. Yeah. Like, because because also, like, I mean, it was it was a long build. Like, I built that when I had two weeks off from work before i started working with game ranks and digital trends so like two years or like a, like a year and a half ago um i built that thing and it was like 20 hours you know what i mean like it was like a it was a significant amount i watched the entire invincible series building that thing that's pretty cool um it was, good. It was a great time i had a wonderful time doing good memory that. yeah um but it's it's like now I'm like and I don't have it in like the individual boxes and stuff, so it's gonna like add like ten hours of like searching through pieces and whatever. So I've got that, and then I've got um, the uh, the Milano, the Guardians of the Galaxy ship, which is pretty sweet. How many um, pieces is that in? 
significantly less, um, but still some. Oh. Uh, that mm. was my fault, though. Um, it's just like it's it's big, and like moving like Legos is like tough, you know. My bad. That was fine, but I was also like the whole thing with the with the um, bugle happened, and I was like, "Fuck it!" Like <laughs> just like I'm building Legos in the future. <laughs> Fuck it, I'll get it done. So it's so the the Milano's in one trash bag, and it's just, it had some some wing damage, but like nothing too big. Yeah, bad. you can fix that. Yeah, but yeah. then the the bugle's in about two different trash bags of just like this is. This and is going to be a whole it, thing. It's trash bags, so you know just how many pieces there are of them. It's not. It's not yeah, like it's you, like. Well, it, when it when I first got sort of like, <laughs> when I first was exposed to the fact that this that the bugle had fallen, um, it was in like some pretty big pieces, and I was like, okay, I'll be able to like fit that back together. But then I was like, as I was trying to like move them, um, like the structural damage that happened to the inside of it all meant that I would pick up a piece and then like. It was poetic, dude. Every single time I held it a piece in my hands, it would crumble into all of its like individual <laughs> components. It was like it was like they were just like fading away, turning to dust in my hands. Uh, I so I did I did a bad thing. I just looked up yeah. the price mm-hmm. of it. Um, I spent some money in order to have a lovely little two week vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and to. You know what? The good thing about doing it again is that you're really getting the price of it. It is true. Uh, you know? How much? It, it was like what? Three hundred bucks. Three forty eight ninety nine can get it sent to you by Friday, September fifteenth on Target.com. Yep, that's it's, it's about right. Yeah, um, I'm curl- it's cool though. It's it's really really cool. Oh yeah, no, I, I hey, it looks awesome. I'm sorry for you, but you know what? Invincible season two right around the corner. You might want to throw that is, on. I have the Invincible Compendium 1. Mm. Just got my hands on it. I'm about to be on vacation mm. where I'm going to be sitting on a beach page turning, reading through that whole thing. Or, I'm actually very excited. I thought you were going to be on the beach playing Pikmin 4. I also am going to be on the beach playing Sea of Stars. But okay. I, I mean, I feel okay. like playing a Switch to the beach is probably a bad idea. Should I bring my older Switch? I, 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 the So, no, because if you don't bring your OLED, you're not going to be able to see it. <laughs> Because oh, of the that's sun. Right, <laughs> um, Switch IP rating. Holy shit. Uh, not great. The beach rating? What? So, like, all, all like, electronic devices are made. Um, they get something called an IP rating, um, which is, like, it's called their ingress protection rating. So, it means, like, um, how resistant is it to water or dust particles or stuff like that. And so, like, most... Uh, new phones are going to be like IP six eight ish, which is like totally sealed off from dust, like not a problem. Totally sealed off from water, could be submerged in water for like up to thirty minutes or whatever. I'm assuming that the Switch IP rating is very low. <laughs> Probably, but um, that's how I played all of um, what was it was that uh, drawing game with the chicory. Oh, uh, I played trickery straight up on a beach of an all-inclusive. And the thing I liked about this all-inclusive beach, they had a power outlet right next to the umbrella. So I was able to pop that in and thusly play it. See, that sounds pretty that sounds pretty good. Um it looks all inclusive. Like, it looks like the switch is not well equipped to being water resistant or dust. 
Well, resistant. it's ironic because much like I want to now, I like I put the cartridges in my mouth because I know they taste bad. Now mm-hmm. I want to like put the switch in my mouth to see if it's going to like survive my mouth, you know, <laughs> like Justin, how much of the switch do you think you get in your mouth? Probably not much, right? Just like a corner of one Joy-Con. I mean, I could probably. I'm, I'm tempted to try it. I'm looking at my switch right here. Mine's too far away, but you, you couldn't even get a little bit in. I think like I could get like a corner of it, but I think my mouth just isn't wide enough to All really right, get my. Listen for the bonus show, the beginning of our bonus show. I'm going to try to fit my switch in my mouth. So if you want to hear that, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/hitboxpod. It's hitbox. everyone welcome back to hitbox episode number 159 my name is peter hunts and joining me this week as always is my wonderful friend and co-host justin makovich justin how are you you doing well getting ready for your move i know it's kind of weird we're moving at the same time i know not in the same house though like i'm sorry no like that's that's a little content disappointing house. we're making a content house yeah we're content house yes <laughs> i mean one of our rooms we'd have to like rest it away it's probably my dog's sleeping room we can use mm-hmm. as 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 the as the content room um yeah but I mean, he has his toy room, his sleeping room, his eating room, his sensory deprivation room. Um, sure, sure. It's sure. just sound room. So when he barks, he can hear it better. Mm-hmm. Um, I've run out of rooms in the house. I don't know where I'm sleeping. That's fine as long as Archie has all nine of his rooms. Yeah, yeah. I think um, he'll be fine. Hey, to be honest, like right now, I don't have a real will. I just have a piece of paper written that shall I mm. die, Archibald gets all of my possessions. I told my mom recently, I was like, just so you know, like if I ever died, just like. Elena gets all my stuff and she can figure out what to do. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, look, just in case. Yeah. Like, and, I don't know. And I've recorded me saying this, so you're legally yeah. obligated oh, yeah. to Oh, yeah. And now, through. hey, look at that. It is on this episode yeah, of look at that. the podcast. It's there. Justin, here's a preview of the news that is coming up. Nintendo reportedly showed off the Switch 2 at Gamescom. E3 will not rear its head in 2024, and Lies of P kills a pointed political message. We're going to talk about all of those headlines in terms of gaming news and more. Before we get there, I want to tell our listeners real quick about the Discord server that we host for Hitbox fans. What is the name of the Hitbox fans? Hit, hitbox heads? Hitbox Nation? Hit, 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 the, the, hit, no. the, the, the boxers? Boxers? The box, uh, The Hitboxers? Hitboxers? Huh? I don't hate it, but I do hate it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I feel it. I feel <laughs> like, it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we'll workshop it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it. We'll it. get it there. Well, uh, Hitbox, I guess Hitbox. Hey, you know what? I, I'm also like proud of us because we were able to workshop names live on air without having to not ever believe record it. We're improving. We're improving from the, the, yeah. the three years ago when we started this. And to be fair, to clarify, we did not know that some words were wrong, and we do now, and we don't use those words. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> so, have, we have grown as people, thanks yes. to Hitbox. Yes, shout out Hitbox, episode zero. <laughs> really fixing this up. Uh, you can, the link to our Discord server, though, is in the description of this episode. If you are feeling monetarily generous, patreon.com slash hitboxpod. Justin's going to try and put that, that switch in his see, mouth see for the deluxe I, bonus episode. See how far I can get. You know, if you if you got that cash on hand, one dollar a month 
makes you a podcast producer three dollars a month makes you a deluxe podcast producer like jay nolan like dave parker they're getting bonus episodes every single week 30 minutes today we're talking about lies of p i'm going to show justin all about how good i am at killing puppets as a puppet and how big my nose is Uh, pinocchio as a puppet fan i don't know if i want you killing puppets that's the only option justin because, like, if I had to redo my life again, I'd go to school for business. And then if I had to redo it again, I'd go to school to be a puppeteer. I actually did know that about you. I, I don't know why. <laughs> two things. It's my two other things. Like, if teaching ever goes south, I still have a biz- chance to do business. But there's always puppetry, you know? The could, the new um, Jim Henson. <laughs> uh, Jim Henson for a modern age, really. Um, if you don't have any cash to throw our way, however, you can support us on Twitter by following us there at HitboxPod or by rating this podcast episode on your podcast player of choice. But enough about all of this housekeeping. Justin, want to head to the Metacritic Roundup? Let's do it! Metacritic Roundup. All right, we got two games in the Metacritic Roundup this week. The first is a game called Fay Farm. You remember Fay Farm? You heard about Fay Farm? I did hear about Fay Farm, and I was excited for Fay Farm. I thought it would be the next Stardew Valley. Yeah, that's kind of what this um, is has been marketed as. Before we get too deep into that, it scored a 78 on the Switch and a 76 on the PC. Uh, Fay Farm, is, it's like an RPG, sort of cozy, um, like crafting, sur- not survival, uh, a farming game, but it looks like it has like more of an emphasis on some of the combat stuff um, with the, like the more fantastic elements and like dungeon crawling and stuff. And you can play, I think, like up to four players. Yep. Something like that. Um, this was featured at a handful of Nintendo Directs, I think. Um, uh, it seems like it's not the next Stardew Valley, but if you are looking for a Stardew Valley type game, uh, this might be for you. It's got more of that like Disney cutesy art style to be honest with you i thought that this game was um disney dreamlight valley just based on like the art style kind of yeah look of it yeah um thoughts what do you think about this well i'm gonna read what kotaku said about it in an unscored slash in progress review with dialogue this unsexy it feels like phoenix labs added dating elements to its game because that's what you do in a game like stardew valley and that's what women like i'm ready to move on from that Interesting. So, um, Kotaku, I, I think, I, I think I'm glad you didn't give a score to this game because I don't think it had been <laughs> a fair one. Would, no, probably don't not. Don't think it would be a fair one. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a time and a place for this because I know people who are really in a Stardew Valley. I think they're just craving new content for that and craving another kind of game like that because you can put a lot of time into that bad boy. So, I think anything to kind of, uh, you know, scratch those itches. I think this is a new type of game like that. And I think if you want a new game to play like that, this sounds like a good one. And guess what, friends? It's on your Switch. Yeah, and and it's on PC as well. So if you are into that, uh, I think that um, I think that that is a decent option. Um, Whenever I see yes. games like this come out, I'm always upset that Animal Crossing um, on the Switch just never never reached its heights. I can't believe they dropped the ball so hard on DLC for that. With how with how I much know. DLC they've done for everything else sort of since. Like, I, I, I just find that to be a little bit surprising. Like, but, um, that felt like a game that would in, you know, two years after its launch be like 10 times better than it was. And I yes. did not feel like that was the case with that game. And yeah, they had some updates, but after the first year of all the contents and the, and the holiday things, it just did not seem to really like 
finish itself the way it should have. Well, it's just like you, you know, you check in for, for, um, the holidays and whatever. And then you go like, Oh, this is all the same stuff from city folk and from new leaf and from whatever else. Yep. Zipper's zipper's still there. Well, and then the, the next year you're like, Oh, are they going to do anything new? Oh no, it's the same bunny day shit. Like, (laughs) no thanks. You know? Um, although this game, Fae Farm does seem to have a, a, that same emphasis that uh, Animal Crossing doesn't like interior design, which I really like. But um, also, I didn't realize this. Uh, this is published by Nintendo, uh, co-published by Nintendo on the Switch. Um, I don't know how often, how often do they do that? Not pretty for non-first-party IPs. Yeah, I wonder. It's probably just a you know maybe a way to help them cross the finish line or something like that to get on the Switch. But hey, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Nintendo published games specifically and. Um, not that many. Let's see. We have not Nintendo games. Looks like Faye Farm and Faith uh, Live Alive. They co-published on the Switch. Okay. Okay. Um, looking here, just like for any like non-first party. I mean, like yeah. Pokemon stuff is like not first party technically necessarily, but yeah, like, but it's they, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So anyway. Uh, I'm not gonna play this, but <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. it's it's if if I were to play this, I would play Stardew Valley and get yep. past the first hour of what I played with that. Agreed. Uh, Next game in the Metacritic roundup is Eternites on the PlayStation Five. It scored a 79 on PC, a 70, and on PS4 it is unscored. This is the um, it's like a it's it's a anime dating sim that is also like an action a 3D action game. Um. Where uh, this also was shown off at a, I think a PlayStation showcase. Um, it was like there was it kind of got memed a little bit because it was like press X to hold her hand or something like that. Yeah, um, which is just very fun. Um, I don't know this this game looks kind of flashy and kind of cool. It's out um, oh tomorrow, um, so I'll be interested to see what other people think. Um, I don't know. This seems like it's kind of up my alley uh, with with my love for Persona and other type games. Um, but I don't know if it is exactly scoring well enough to be able to grab my attention for, uh, right now. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, like, yeah, oh, which yeah, is yeah. how, what, what uh, all the other stuff I've got to play right now. Like, I don't know if this is going to be the thing that I need to focus on, but. And, and this feels like, I mean, it's, it's not, not a bad score, but it just feels like it's again, a high seven, eight lost a wash in a sea of high eighties, nineties in a year. And like, a lot of the times these just because a game scores well doesn't mean you should play it all the time. Like, cause I feel like sometimes, you know, just because something scores a 90 doesn't mean I will like the game. But this yeah. year there's been so many high eighties, nineties that I want to play. I just haven't had time to play. And like the, the burnout uh, of not burnout, I guess my backlog um, pain is really, really hurting me. Every game that comes out. Um, Baldur's Gate came out last week for PS4, PS5, yeah, five, five, and I really, really want to play that game so bad. Um, but I also know that that's like a sit down and like experience. That's a like, game. like a, a time, like you got to devote the time to like really get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would, I'll say this: I would have absolutely bought this um, and played it if it was on a Switch. Yeah, yeah, that's. You know what I mean, like, that's easy enough to just sit down, and play an hour before bed or whatever while you're in bed. Like, would have been easy, but. Alas, PlayStation and its You know what? You know what? You know what? They are, there is a way for you to play it in your bed. Oh, with the backbone. That's actually true. Mm, That's actually very true. Not what I was thinking about. Oh, with, with your PlayStation portal. Get that portal. 
Get when it. November comes. Uh, I won't, but I appreciate you reminding me that that's happening. I'm just going to cancel all my medications for a month solely so I can get. Um, uh, uh, don't do that. Wait, yep. hold on. Don't yep. do that. A lot of medications I take. A lot of I, pills. Justin, if I have to come over and just shove fish oil pills down your throat, I will do that <laughs> to keep you alive. Are you kidding me? The podcast, it's simply too good. It's, it's simply too. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's something. Uh, th- th- this is. I put this in the Metacritic roundup because I didn't know where else to talk about it. Um, there's an Alone in the Dark game coming out. Do you do you remember this? Oh, yeah. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this is, oh, yeah, that's coming out. And I saw it on my PlayStation page. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have not heard anything about this since it got announced. And um, as it so happens, this past week, the official Alone in the Dark Twitter account said this. Horror games thrive on the eerie embrace of solitude, something that is impossible to achieve in a gaming month as busy as October. To ensure a breathtaking ex- experience for everyone, we've made the decision to move the release of Alone in the Dark to Jul- uh, January sixteenth, twenty twenty four. So they they say that hey, um, October when the game was supposed to come out is just too busy. There's too many games coming out. Um, and we've seen a handful of different studios sort of say this. If you remember, Assassin's Creed moved their release date up a week, I think, saying like that week that we're launching in has Mario and Spider-Man and Alan Wake and something else. So like it's just too much. And then Alan Wake moved in uh, a week back saying like we're just trying to like let that week be a little bit, give it a little bit more space. And then now Alone in the Dark is hopping on board saying like, yeah, we're trying to get out of the space too. Um January. <laughs> yeah, that's a spooky time of year, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and like, obviously, like, I think this is just a pretty clear just delay. You know what I mean? That they just have to delay it by, you know, four months, five months, whatever. I'm not I'm not knocking that delay game. I think you got to do it. Um, I just always find it funny that this is happening so frequently of like the, the argument of like, we, we're, de- we're not delaying this because we want to. We're delaying this f- for you. Um, now, it just makes me laugh a little I bit. I do want to comment on how it's a good thing that no matter what you feel about THQ Nordic games or whatever, it's a good thing that they are backed by a, a company as big as THQ Nordic because oh, percent. if this was something that was just like a smaller company that didn't have a bigger company backing it, it would have got lost in the shuffle of October. And again, there's so much stuff that's coming out. I don't think this is something that is going to benefit by coming out earlier. The only thing that I can do is, is uh, find more uh, space in January. So I'm glad that they could do this and Clearly, a you know three month delay is not a small financial uh, feat for them. So, uh, I'm glad that they took that hit for the betterment of the game. So, yay, THQ Nordic. Oh yeah, no, and, and uh, like to, to clarify too, like delay your game, please. Like I, I want you to delay your game, so because I'm gonna play it then. <laughs> right, more like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, well, or like I'm much more likely to play it now. Well, and I'm, um, I, I'm just in so much sympathy for so many games that are coming out in the past couple weeks that are just getting overshadowed because of all yeah. the mind share of these other huge, massive games that are coming out. Um, and in most other years, these games have been played huge, which is so funny that a game like Baldur's Gate comes out of nowhere and sucks hundreds of hours away from the the mainstream gamer almost. So, oh, a thousand percent. Um, did you know, I didn't realize this. I did, uh, it's funny. I was looking at sort of the art for this alone in the dark game. Um, did you, re- did you know <laughs> the main character is played by David Harbour? Okay. I was going to make a comment of that. I pulled up the article. I couldn't, um, I couldn't tell, like, it just looked like it, you know, it could have been either David Harbour or like a, like a lookalike of David Harbour. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, like, that's the thing. I was like, I, I almost commented while we were talking about this, like that kind of looks 
he kind of looks like David Harbour, to be honest with you. But it like just straight up says here, yeah, David oh, Harbour plays. I would kill to be scanned, voice recorded, and put into a video game so they could steal me, make an AI version of me in the future. And then yeah, and then you could just keep talking. Just like, keep um, talking. Yeah. Uh, although I will say that um, it was it, it's interesting what what David Harbour has had to say about it about being in the game uh not that we need need to like get into this necessarily um but he said let's see this um so he said that his experience was quote limited in scope uh he starts the game alongside actress jody comer comer um but they said they but said they never met on the project asked if harbor got to work with comer on the game harbor said not at all it was so tragic that i didn't i'm really curious to see how it would have turned out he said um going to say on a load of the dark is a wacky franchise he said that it's been through so many different iterations over the years and that some of the games have been quote terrible they were really weird games that didn't make any sense he said (laughs) um Um, i do think that 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 is uh, you know unfortunately um something that happens a lot with uh animated things um that they record kind of an isolation of each other um if i am correct uh, when the the recent one, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie. Um, oh, did you see it? Very good. I have not seen it yet. It's on my list of things I want to see. I just, it's not in kind of a bad time. Um, they recorded all their voice sections together. Um, and they had like the, the turtles were teenagers and like a younger, yep. younger group of them. And um, from everyone talking about it, like you really hear the chemistry of those of teenagers. And it's because they're doing it together go figure that matters you can totally tell that they are all in the same room together yeah um and it is interesting i mean with just how like how different video games are of different budgets and whatever like something like this i'm here like oh that's surprising that that you guys didn't meet how did you do that oh you guys were just in voice booths and he also says that he um uh is really fun to reboot something weird and risky like that but he said none of the motion capture process um uh, that he didn't do any of the motion capture. He only did the capture for the face. Mm. So he didn't do any of the, the body. So he says, um, the movements were not captured for him in the alone in the dark. It scares me a little bit because he doesn't have any say in how his character will physically move. So if you're playing the game and you think the character is doing something stupid with their hands, that wasn't my choice. That was something some video game designer was thinking that human beings do, um, with their hands that way. Um, honest, so you, I've <laughs> never watched a video game performance and been like, what is wrong with that actor? Like, what is what is he doing in that game? Like, that's never my thought. But um, but yeah, so so there you go. That's just interesting a little bit. And this alone in the dark game, like well, I'll play it. I'm always interested in getting I'm always interested in bad games. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's going to be bad, but it does not have necessarily have the like workings of a game that I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be fantastic. Um, speaking of uh, voice actors acting things out, too. Um, I was reading an, uh, a twi- Twitter thread talking about um, a scene from Jedi Survivors with um, Bode and Kota um, and how they did these kind of like subtle hand movements to show they were communicating with each other in one of the major scenes that they're in together. Um, he does like Is that a, his daughter. Sorry. Yeah, 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 it's his daughter. Oh, okay. He does this like hand signal to be like, it's going to be all right. And then they said he did something when he was about to tell her to run that the they have it captured that he like tapped on her like side and like put an arrow for where she was supposed to run. And it was something so subtle and it was so subtle it wasn't even in the final cutscene um, edit of it. Hmm. But it just added to like just that physicality between the two of them. And then when you go back and watch that scene, it makes so much more sense why Kota would listen to him in the way and why she would like 
it's just really, really interestingly done. It just shows you how that slight attention to detail does actually matter when when you're doing these uh, cutscenes in any video game, um, which is cool. I think to your point, like just giving the actor the ability to do their job and just act however they want. Not how you know what I'm saying. Like, give them the ability to really like be in the shoes of that role. I think right. Um, and always benefits. And while I wouldn't be like to David Harbor, like you like, what is wrong with David Harbor? Does he really walk that way? I would never think that when I'm playing a game. But when you no, notice no. them actually doing the capture and actually doing something cool, that's when I notice. I notice the good more so than the bad in video games because the good is what stands out. Unfortunately, sometimes with cutscenes. <laughs> Well, I think with with like the bad, like I'm just so used to it that I would just assume that he didn't capture. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like if there's like a wonky animation, you're just like, oh, that was a hand animation. He's just thing, t- or, he's just t posing everywhere. You're like, dude, yeah. people don't walk like that. Based on how previous Alone in the Dark games have been, that might be an improvement. <laughs> um, the most recent one is fucking amazing. Um, it, it's one of those like all timer bad games. Oh, but good, um, good, good. Justin, I want to talk to you about Starfield a little bit. You've been playing it. I've been playing it. I think that's a pretty generous way of saying <laughs> what we've done. <laughs> um, it sounds like we have gotten to about the same point. Um, I am like maybe one hour in, like maybe 63 minutes into this video. Game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, um, I'm longer, but I'll explain why. Okay. Okay. Uh, I wanted to play some so that I could talk a little bit about it with you uh, today. Uh, but obviously, I've been a little caught up in, in my life. Um, what are your just general, like first impressions of this game? So it feels like a Bethesda, uh, Jesus, it's like a game caught in, like trapped in time. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the very beginning of the game, you are put into the situation where you're at a new job and you're told to do something and there's like action happening but none of it feels urgent and none of it feels like particularly well paced (laughs) the pacing's weird it it really is strange with how it kind of goes but then i i did i i I, we talked a little bit about this last week in the bonus episode i went back and i watched the opening of skyrim and that beginning of skyrim with the whole cart scene and the dragon fight like that while it is better paced and there's more like action up front it still is kind of awkward with the whole run of things because of how dated a lot of the cutscenes and the animations are in that game so sure. it, it didn't have like a great flow or a great cinematic feel to it in the same way as i think i remembered it and it reminded me a lot of what i saw with starfield so if you are like a, a skyrim fan i'm sorry if i insulted you but it felt very similar except there was a dragon in skyrim in this one there's a thing you touch in space pirates that very anticlimactically come and attack you. <laughs> I will say this about the Skyrim intro. Like it's memorable. Maybe this is my nostalgia talking. It's got that like wow factor, that memorable moment of like, you're about to get beheaded. You know what I mean? And, and like, there's like that slow build up to like that happening and whatever. Um, and then the dragon comes and just like wrecks the whole town and all that sort of stuff. Um, whereas with Starfield, yeah, you're totally right. Like <laughs> you touch a rock, you fall over, you do the character creator. And then they're like, oh, shit, some pirates are here. Yeah, and then you like yeah. slowly turn around and like no one even hands you a gun. They're just like, you can go pick up a gun if you want. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it, it no, is. A, a it is. It is a slow. It is a slow, a little bit awkward start. But again, it feels like it's trapped in time to what an older game is with what I would think. Some of the characters look actually pretty good. Like yeah. I was actually pretty impressed with a lot of the visuals from what I was hearing. Um, 
so that was my first impression. And then the second impression, you there's a spaceship you you get on right at the beginning. And it's like, get on the spaceship and go to this planet. So I get on the spaceship. I go to the cockpit. I'm like, wait a second. I want to start playing this game the way I want to play it right now. So I get off the spaceship. And I just, I'm, I'm looking around the mining facility I'm at. And I just fucking go. I'm like, peace. I ran for like mm. 20 minutes in one direction. Fucking nothing. Found nothing. I bet, dude. Not a thing. So then I'm like, I could be wrong here. Reloaded a quick save because I'm like, I'm not walking back. No, no. Go no, the no. other direction. 15 minutes in one direction and and nothing. Reload the quick save. And I was like, okay, guess I'm never doing this again. <laughs> never just exploring the openness of it. I got on the ship and I started mainlining a little bit. Um, and it, it's a Bethesda game. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that to be like a negative thing um it's a bethesda game to me that's exciting like i'm excited by that like the stuff i'm doing so far is i feel like i'm home um going around looking for for lock picks or whatever they call them i'm looking for like little like uh toys and trinkets and little hidden places here and there um i'm enjoying that part of it it's just almost so much dialogue at a certain point it feels like that i i it's Bit of action, too much talking, too much walking. Bit of action, too much talking, too much walking. And and uh, like I found the do- I don't know like this. These are just my like first impressions in the first hour. So like I'm not saying like this is how it's going to be forever. But like I didn't really understand like why it all happened the way it did. A guy shows up and he's like, "Take my ship." What? Like he didn't even die. <laughs> Like I thought he was like, I thought he was going to like the way it was going on. I thought he was going to get killed when the pirates showed up and then he was going to be like, you need to finish the mission. And like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, but no, he's just like, I'm just going to hang out here. It literally <laughs> just stays and, there. And it's just like, take my shit. And then when you get to the the place, they're all like, oh yeah, he's, like, yeah why didn't he yeah, come? That's weird. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> although I thought, I, f- I feel like they, they did say something about like, he did this again. Yeah. Or something yeah. Like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it like, it's, it's a little stiff and I'm hoping that it is just this, first like getting settled um that is the stiff part you know what i mean that like just this this first little bit of like getting you situated with like uh, the mechanics and whatever is the stiff part and then it's going to open up eventually um your thing about the exploration stuff though um i am a little worried about uh do you know the he's a youtuber called nakey jakey he's pretty great he sits on a yoga ball Um, is he nakey he is not nakey um you feel like you're kind of lying to the consumer yeah, it's it's YouTube though, so you know you can't really show bits and bops, uh, you know, <laughs> too much. Um, but he's 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 fantastic. He's really really great. He's got an excellent video on um, Rockstar game design and Naughty Dog game design um, that I, I ultimately disagree with his findings on The Last of Us Part Two, but I do think that he um, really does a good job of like making the point about why he doesn't really like it very much. Um, but he tweeted. This he says, I just need to rant about Starfield for a sec because I'm losing my mind. 25 hours in, and then he's this is a, a screenshot of like a note from a notes app. 25 hours, hours in, and exploration in Starfield is utterly dreadful. You land on a planet, it generates a bunch of locations, most of them like 400 meters away, if not more, and you walk. There is no ship to fly in, there is no rover to drive, there's not even a space course to mount to keep traversal engaging. You mindlessly sprint and boost jump through a soulless field of nothing to reach a copy and pasted destination that is very rarely feels worth like worth the effort this is such a drastic step back from the amazing sense of exploration and wonder that skyrim and fallout 4 inspired is that it truly baffles me i want to like this game so bad um so i don't know like like i guess it's still to be seen about like uh 
um, how how it's going to shake out for me. But I am having in, similar feelings of like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I, I think that's a valid criticism about like in a game. I'm going to use it, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. You see a, a floating cloud with lightning around in the distance. You want to go to that. Like that's how the game gets you to explore. You see something, yes. you want to go there. I don't actually think that's the case with this game. Um, and I could make a stupid argument that, well, if you're exploring in space, you can't really see outside your spaceship in a way it'll be like, I'm going to go there because there's nothing out in space. It's a lot of distance between things in space. You could make that argument about the immersion, but I'm not going to pretend to be that kind of person. I don't think that's what this game is going for. I honestly don't think this game is about like simply seeing that cool thing in the distance and then walking to it. I think this game is about the stories that are in the way, like in between it. I think the game is about the story that you're creating with your character beyond the mainline story. Cause I think that's where this game gets this interesting because it's so big in terms of its content, in terms of its um, random encounters, in terms of that kind of stuff that I think that is more of where the story is rather than it's an exploration game, even though I know it's like a space exploration game. Well, like, but the, I guess that's that's the thing is like I just got done talking to all the people from Constellation and they're like, we're explorers and it's our job to chart the galaxy and to explore the galaxy. And we think that, you know, whatever these like these artifacts are going to like help us like explore the galaxy and be able to find new places in the galaxy. And so like if exploration isn't the key, like what is, you know what I mean? And and something that I think um, this was brought up a while ago. Um, when when they first said that there are a thousand planets that you can visit or or do whatever on, and um, I like I don't know if it needs it. Like, like to me, like I played the outer wild, the outer wilds, for like three hours before sort of giving up because it was a little too hard. Yeah, a little too. Yeah, it just it, it didn't have enough direction, and I would just wasn't able to like spend the time to like really mentally devote myself to it i'm not saying hard as like a knock on you i'm saying like hard in terms of like actually engaging with the game is hard not like the combat is hard no no no, right but that's the thing but like that was a game that i think is really does a really good job with exploration and just like there's what like six planets on there but they're all like very very like they're handcrafted right and so like there is like the sense of like exploration and wonder about like uncovering what's in there and Starfield is going for a much bigger scope, but it's like wider, but shallower. You know what I mean? Like, like it's still to be seen about like how I'm going to feel about it and whatever. Um, but to me, it feels a little bit just like fallout without vats, at least the combat so far, you know, so I, we'll see. I'm going to play more of it before I give any sort of final official judgment. Um, but in my opinion, uh, I was surprised that it, it made the first impression it gave me was not um, something that I was really um, truly impressed by, which I feel like the most recent Bethesda games have had at least at the very least really good openings, you know, but then just like, yeah, just like like six pirates just land on the, on the planet and they kind of just like unceremoniously just like, Oh, Hey, <laughs> um, I, I, I know I sound, I sounded negative on the game. It feels like another Bethesda game to me, which I don't think is yeah. a bad thing. And I think it's nope. it's new with new storytelling, new everything like that. And again, I think the exploring for me is going to come more so in the stories I I, I cross uh, 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 come into contact with along the way, rather than the planets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what happened to Earth? Why are we colonizing the stuff? The slow feed to this whole galaxy is the stuff that I am interested in finding out. Um, all with all these like fun little 
you know, stories and side missions to boot. Plus with what I hear is a pretty interesting loop of uh, your kind of like main story playthrough. Mm-hmm. Not that the story is anything like outer worldly, but it seems like what it becomes by the end of it is a good thing. Yeah. So, so we'll see. We got, we got time yet with it. Um, here's some interesting information. Uh, the, Game has currently, this is uh, 10 hours ago, uh, according to VG charts, um, according to SteamDB, the, the, uh, VG charts is citing SteamDB, excuse me, um, Starfield has peaked at 330,723 concurrent players on Steam, which um, surpassed uh, the Elder Scrolls Sky, 5 Skyrim's. Um, peak of 287,411 concurrent players. That was 12 years ago. Uh, Fallout 4 has it beats both of those with 472,962 um, concurrent players at once. But I, I think that Starfield is probably like <laughs> Starfield is is I think hitting some heights for Bethesda that they have not seen before. Um, I think a day into it being live on Game Pass and everywhere else. It hit uh, six over six million players, according to Starfield's Twitter account, which I think is is pretty significant. Um, so already it is um, just everywhere, and I mean the marketing for this is is pretty good too. It's got a pretty distinct color scheme here. Um, you've got this story about the uh, WNBA; they like sponsored a court for the New York Liberty, um, where like the area underneath the basket. I'm sure there's a name for that. Um, the has paint. their like the paint yeah has the is that what that's is that why it's like we're getting in the paint yeah you go hard in the paint man yeah okay um it's got like uh it's got their little like stripe thing it's cool it's it's a good logo i think uh and and pretty easily recognizable but um what do you think yeah i i think uh that's great and i think it's awesome and i think the fact that fallout 4 had um more concurrent players is not a knock on starfield because i think a lot of people who have Starfield are understanding that if I have Game Pass, I get the game for free. Um, And if I'm correct, Game Pass Ultimate, if you download it on your PC, that's not even a Steam number. It's not a Steam game. So so this this is like a specific chunk of a game that's out there for free for all intents and purposes that's still getting such great numbers online. And the 6 million, I'm not surprised about, you're adding a Bethesda game to... Um, Game Pass to begin with, like launching on Game Pass. I think that's 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 crazy. That's awesome. Um, and you know, I think this game is a great game, and I think anyone who wants to see it fail because it's on Microsoft Xbox is crazy. And I think anyone who is blindly making it succeed because it's on Xbox Game Pass is also insane. Uh, But I think the great thing about a game like this that is so divisive, the fact that you can play it and try it out and make your own opinion for it, that you probably shouldn't actually make an opinion until you played it for about 20 hours, and then you can make the opinion that everyone is making about it being okay. (laughs) You know, like, I think... (laughs) Um, I think that's great. Yeah, who, would, who would only play it for like a few hours and then give some opinions on it? Uh, I, I, not me. I've not never, us. I've no, never not me. Done I would never do that. I've never no. done that. Before. I've never even. I've never even given an opinion before. Never. I've, I don't have opinions. No. 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 I have onions. I like an onion. Eat it like an apple. I watched someone do that in high school. It was fucked up. Oh, I watched someone do that in holes, but it was actually apples that they made to look like. Oh yeah. Onions. Yeah, it was a good yeah. movie. Got to dig up them holes. 
Agreed. Um, Justin, I've played a significant amount of Lies of P. Oh? Yeah. This game is um, the embargo lifted whenever this episode went live, so I can talk about it. Uh, I've played a pretty big chunk of the game this is the like bloodborne inspired pinocchio souls like which is like a very fun sort of turn of phrase there i mean you say um, that out loud that's insane <laughs> you know <laughs> yes yes this is the one uh, there was a demo for it that went up a few months ago at this point uh, but I've, I've played a pretty significant amount of it and um hey it's pretty good mm. i like it a fair amount um, to the point where I'm probably going to try and finish it at the very least, but I'm not sure how far into it I am. So I, I kind of want to wait until like guides are up so I can see like where I'm at and then I can decide. Okay. So before I have a ton of questions about this game. Yes. Um, but before we get to the actual game and you said it's pretty good, where mm-hmm. in the scale right now of from software games, does this kind of fall um, as someone who it's, Elden Ring first or Sekiro? You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Uh, I would, oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, I would say like right now, I would say Sekiro 1, Elden Ring 2, uh, Dark Souls 3, 3, Bloodborne 4, Dark Souls, uh, Demon Soul. I don't know. The last, the bottom three, like whatever. Okay, so. Uh, is I this, would say Dark Souls 2 is at the very bottom. So is, um, this a, is this a bottom three whatever game or is it somewhere in the other level? Um, I would say it. I mean, like, I was actively playing Dark Souls 2, then I stopped doing that to play this game, partially because it was for work of just, like, I have this code. Um, but then, like, I had opportunities to return to Dark Souls 2, and I've continued to play Lies of P. <laughs> okay. Like, does that, does that tell you anything? Like, So it's at least better than Dark Souls 2, which you said was the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I would not say it is as good as Dark Souls 3. I would probably say it is not as good as Bloodborne. Um, but I do think that it is still fun. Like I, I do like it. Does that make sense? No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, I, I, the reason I said that, cause I wanted to kind of frame just like generally with from software games. Cause I think that's more of a, mm-hmm. people know what that is, like where this falls in that, in that range. So yeah, Liza yeah. P puppet punch in party. What makes this game unique? Um, well, the puppets, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's all puppets and that you're Pinocchio, I guess. Um, it, it's it's pretty flashy. It's got some, some flashy combat, but the combat's pretty satisfying. Um, I think the thing that it really hangs its hat on is its weapon customization system. So basically you have, like, hilts and you have blades. Um, and so you can switch out the hilt of a weapon with a blade of a weapon. So you can put like a police baton, let's say, like the nightstick part of it, onto like a rapier hilt. And so the hilt basically alters how the weapon um, controls, it, it like swings, and then what sort of like damage modifiers it gets for uh, leveling up. And then the blade... Uh, impacts like how much like the base damage that the weapon does and like any effects it might have. So for example, like I said, let's say you've got the, a rapier hilt on a police baton. You are going to swing that weapon like it's a rapier, but the the police baton is going to be the part that like alters the weapons, um, like damage and like what type of damage it's going to do. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So right now I've got, I think, like this big electrical like 
um, fusion coil, essentially, on a sword hilt. Um, so I swing it like it's a sword, and um, but it's got this like big electrical current on the edge of it. Um, and that's that's sort of the thing I'm going with right now. So I think that's the big thing that its combat really is trying to set itself apart from the rest of like Bloodborne and Dark Souls and whatever. Um, on top of that, uh, I mean, like unlike Bloodborne, like I think Bloodborne is the thing that it gets compared most to. I think that that is a very clear inspiration um, from the fact that like if you uh, like there's blocking in this game, which there is not in Bloodborne for the most part. Um, but if you block an attack, you get. You, you reduce the damage that's done to you, like in most games. Um, but then you have the ability to regain that health back by then immediately attacking. Um, like like Bloodborne. in Bloodborne. Yeah. yeah. Um, but instead of that being just like the mechanic of like anytime you're hit, it is only if you've blocked perfectly or, or if you've blocked properly. Um, there is a, kind of a deeper emphasis on parrying as opposed to like dodging through enemies um, because you're rewarded for doing perfect parries. Um, you also... Uh, your weapon takes damage and enemies weapons take damage. And if you can perfect parry an enemy, you deal a lot of damage to their weapons. So a good strategy, if you are having um, a hard time dealing with a tough enemy is learning their, um, like the timings of their moves and doing perfect parries in order to break their weapons so that they, so that they do significantly less damage to you. Does that make sense? So is that like a, like a stagger meter almost? Well, and then there is a separate stagger meter. Okay, sort of so mechanic. we got we got <laughs> um, health, we got weapon, we got stagger. Yes. So one of the things, and I think to be entirely honest with you, uh, I'm going to be making a video about this uh, when I get back from my vacation next week. Is this game has too many mechanics? Too, it has too much stuff going on because then on top of all of that, you also you have um, forgetting the name of it. I just played Sakura, so I'm just going to call it your prosthetic arm. But basically, like you, your left arm is like you're you're a full puppet, but your left arm is like a is like a major puppet arm where you can like slot in different like attachments and stuff. So you can have like a rocket launcher or like a flamethrower or like uh, a poison like cloud or, or stuff like that, or, like a grappling hook. Um, so like. The, the my my one big gripe with the game is that if I'm having a difficult time in an area or with a boss or something, there are too many variables for me to be able to understand what I should potentially be changing around for my approach. Does that make sense? Because it's like, am I under leveled? Is my prosthetic arm the wrong tool that I should be using? Is my weapon under leveled? It, like, is the blade under leveled? Is the hilt the wrong type of hilt I should be using? Are the um, weapon arts the wrong ones I should be using? Have I not used the skill tree properly to give myself the right perks? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that is so much to be, like, asking yourself about, like, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? Or am I simply just not, like, <laughs> is Good. it a skill issue? Yeah, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, do I just need to learn it, you know? Um, whereas I feel like... From software games have a really good job. They do a really good job at like limiting the amount of things that you have um, control over. You know what I mean? Like they give you a lot of different like customization options. But at the end of the day, like I always feel like I know what the issue is when it comes to like if I'm stuck on a boss or something like that and I can pretty clearly pinpoint that or if I'm having a hard time pinpointing it, I can say, oh, it could be this or it could be this other thing as opposed to be like, it could be one of nine different things. 
is any of that like associated with the fact that you have been more ingrained in the from software formula like over the years like so whenever they add yeah. new mechanics you've kind of like been able to layer on top of them like knowing what faith versus strength does to a build um i, I think i think partially but it i would say that like most of the mechanics that liza p uses are ripped pretty directly from from soft games so it's not that like i don't know the mechanics because i i do uh, of liza p like i do know the mechanics it's just i'm not super sure which ones i need to be paying attention to and which ones like like i i it's hard to know which one is the issue quote unquote um that i'm running into you know what i mean yeah yeah because i think to me, it seems like they almost like literally combined from software games together in a way. They said Sekiro, they said Bloodborne, and they said Dark Souls. You, like, you, you missed it. one, Armored Core. <laughs> like how you <laughs> have your yeah. like different like 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 halves that you can put on there. So it just seems like there's like a lot there. Like they're playing so much off of the from software formula that there is just so many many systems in play that probably takes a little bit more easing into than just playing one game or one playthrough of it. Yeah, it's, it feels over-designed is, is what I would say. Um, and again, that's not to say that it's bad. Like I am enjoying it, yeah. my time with it, of course. Um, it, it is, it, it is a good one of these games. Um, but I would say that it is a little, um, overzealous in its attempt to try and have deep mechanics but the problem is i have found that a lot of the mechanics aren't that deep there's just a lot of them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like upgrading your weapon is pretty simple you just bring the titanite shards or whatever they're called like moonstones or something like that and you just upgrade them right the amount of stats that you can actually upgrade when you level up um there's like only like five or six of them as opposed to like being able to do like so many different stats for like the different types of builds in like from soft games um the skill tree is like just pretty it's it's it feels like an afterthought it's something that's introduced to you like kind of late in the game <laughs> even which is is a little funny um so so there are like it just it feels like they were trying to cram in a lot of stuff and because of that it's just hard to keep track of all of those different things you know um or like you have access to like three different weapon wheels so you have like your upper pouch so, so you can like cycle through like four different items. <laughs> they call it an upper pouch. <laughs> you've got the upper pouch, you've got the bottom pouch, and then you can like reach into your full bag by holding on the A button. So it's like it's like a lot, you know what I mean? To the point where it's just like, what like why did you do it like this? You know? Um and and I, I think it's because like there are some items that you like kind of want to have on hand at all times. Like um you can sharpen your weapon on the fly. Like if it fully breaks, I think oh, it's like so re return to the. We're, we're talking about from software with Monster Hunter now. Oh my god, is that a thing in Monster Hunter? Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. Like like I think it works pretty well. I've not really run into a whole lot of issues with it, um, but that's just because I just always remember to sharpen my weapon. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, but it, it's it's there's a lot to it, um, and I think it's to its detriment. That said, I like the area design is great. Uh, I really like the level design. I think that like if you're looking for like a more traditional Dark Souls thing, you're not going to find it here or like a Bloodborne thing where it's like really, really winding. Um, it's a little bit more like linear in the way that like Dark Souls 3 is linear. But I personally really like that level design because it means that I know where I'm going. Yeah. And it's like you have two paths. And if you go down the left path, you find a tougher enemy and a chest and then it links you back to the, the first path. Like I like that sort of stuff. So it, there isn't more of an open world exploration aspect to it. 
it's it's pretty straightforward and they tell you specifically where you should be going okay um, the story is very silly um and and not particularly good <laughs> but i don't really come to these games for stories but um um in terms of like the mechanics of dying how does that work anything that happens oh, penalty yeah. wise so you have um i'm forgetting the word for it you have your souls it's called like argo <laughs> or something it. like that souls. It's silly. yeah your your blood, um, blood echoes or your yeah so your argo is what powers the puppet and so when you die this is kind of cool so when you die you obviously have the chance to go reclaim your souls um but every single time you get hit um the you lose the maximum amount of souls that you can recover so like let's say you drop 200 uh, 2000 souls and you get hit once now you're down to 1900 you get hit twice now you're down to 1800 you know what i mean so like if you get hit while you're trying to recover them you lose souls or if you die you don't lose you don't like they don't completely disappear you lose half of them so and, you, and if you does drop it keep 2000 yeah and it'll have again um, but the other thing is, though, that like the souls don't remain in the first place you dropped them. They show back up in the second place that you dropped them. So, like, let's say you die like all the way at the end of a level. And then as you're trying to go back to recover them, you die again right at the start of the level. When you go to pick up the souls again, they will be at the start of the level. Oh, OK. So, like, whatever. That's kind of um, user friendly. There's a mechanic that I actually do really like um, where once you run out of heals, you can recharge your healing flask by dealing damage. I love that. It only it only work. You can only recharge it like one like one drink of it. So you can't recharge like two. But you can um, keep doing that. Like use it. Re- but then you use it, and then you like deal more damage, and then it's full again to to get one heal off. I and, find that like, would be exceptionally helpful in some boss fights. Yep. Yep. Um, and it also kind of like makes you like. There's like this great tension too in a boss fight where you're like, okay, I got to play a little bit more aggressively. And like, if you do not play that, if you play too aggressively, you're going to die. But if you don't play aggressive enough, like you're going to miss out on the chance of like, like fully healing. Um, you can stagger enemies and deal like these like big, um, big sort of like stagger moves to them, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, or like what happens is if you deal enough regular damage to an enemy, if you have to, their health bar like starts going white. And if you do a heavy attack to the enemy, then they will stagger. So it's this other sort of like risk reward thing of like, okay, like I'm going to try and dodge out of the way and then charge up a heavy attack so that I can get that stagger bonus in. Um, So that's kind of cool. I I do like it. Uh, it, There is um, kind of a lot to it. You're Pinocchio and that's silly. Does your nose get bigger when you lies? So you have you have opportunity to lie or tell the truth. Well, you're fucking kidding. Is this true? Yes. (laughs) that's so stupid (laughs) but so i've been lying like like the game makes you lie a little bit and then it says like your gears are like turning or something like that um and then there's like it's like a hidden mechanic like i don't know what the fuck that means i assume it it impacts how my like the ending i get whatever um but also it says that you like you can find like records out throughout the world and like you can play them at like the home base um and it said there was like a loading tip that said like listening to the records restores your humanity. But I was like, I'm a puppet. So like, I don't even know. Um, here's something silly. Jiminy Cricket's in the game. Zippity they don't, they're not gonna, They're not going to call him Jiminy Cricket. They're going to call him like it's Bimini, like Jiminy. It's like Gemini. They call him Gemini. Uh-huh. And he is like a fucking Nathan Drake ass. Like you like walk into a new area and he's like, you hear like a little whistling sound. And it's like, wow, this place 
Sure, it's pretty dark, huh? Like, it's it's like really quite bad. It's it's very quite awful. Um, and uh, you know how in Bloodborne, in order to level up, you have to like uh, fast travel back to the the like Hunter's Dream or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, you have to do that in this game too, and it's just like don't fucking do that. That sucked in Bloodborne. It means you have to watch go through two loading screens in order to level up. So let me do it at a bonfire. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess my final thing is: is this game hard? Uh, there have been boss fights that I've been had to, to devote some time to, but generally I would say it's not like the most challenging thing in the world. Okay. Like when you, the bosses you've devoted time to, does it go back to the fact that they're, they're in fact tough or it's like you're, it's tough when mixed with the deep mechanics of like, what is the problem? That is part of it, right? Where I'm just like wondering like, is this tough because I'm bad is this tough because it's a tough fight? Um, but for the most part, the the fights are pretty good. There is a mechanic, though, where you get these, like, you can do some... It's a it's totally single player. It's not online at all. Like, you don't do the messages, you, at least, it like, I guess in the preview, or, like, the, the review copy of it doesn't have that. So it might be different here. But when you are outside of the room, like a boss room, you can summon an NPC. But they're not a character. They're just a random, like random hunter (laughs) Mm, okay okay interesting and they just fucking destroy the boss like it's so easy like if you want to play the bosses and you want to have like a really solid challenge play them on your own if you want to just like sort of waltz through the boss you can summon the summon the um additional hunters all right my real last question i know i'm not gonna necessarily put it on you to give me a review score for it what do you predict the metacritic score is going to be on this game I'm going to give you two scores. Okay. I'm going to give you, I'm going to say 76 or an 81. Okay. And would that, because this is coming out on everything, right? Yep. And it'll be on Game Pass too. So if you're interested. Do you, do you foresee it up. being lower on Game Pass because <laughs> more people have access to it? Uh, no. I, like, it, it's the sort of thing where like, to me, if I'm being like really, really harsh on it and I'm like thinking about like, if I'm really being critical of it, I would give it a 76. Okay. Like that, that's where I would like, like, like I would eyeball it. But if I'm being really generous to it, I think 81. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, like, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this sounds interesting. So that's the range for and me. If I'm correct, it should be out as of the posting of this podcast, the review score. Uh, yes, because the, it'll be with embargo. All right. So listener, so, you can, eyes peeled. yeah, you can, you can find out how accurate that score was. Geppetto keeps telling you to be a good boy, and I think that's very funny. What does Geppetto's voice sound like if you were to, you know, try to be Geppetto? Oh, Pinocchio, you need to... No, it's not it. (laughs) Well, uh... You look a lot like Timothy Chalamet. Why did I turn into Obama? That was bad. (laughs) Justin, let's talk about the news. (laughs) Let's do it. Apparently, apparently, Nintendo showed off the Switch 2 during Gamescom <gasps> to select developers. There was a rumor going around that they were showing it to like developers and press, and I fucking laughed at that. I was like, they did not show that to the press. First of all, Nintendo would never. Second of all, why would they show it to the press? Like, if it's not ready, if it's not done, it's stupid. Um, oh, it was fucking Jez Corden said that. Um... 
Jez Corden is the editor in chief of um, what is it? Windows Central. Um, I am not a particularly big fan of the man himself, um, but more of more of just like his his takes on Twitter. I it's just I find to be a little much. Um, he said, heard some rumors recently that Nintendo maybe showed slash maybe discussed the new Switch behind closed doors with select press slash devs at Gamescom. Um, full reveal slash leaks may be relatively imminent. Um, does this have anything else? Yeah, so he, he said this, but there's like no, not a whole lot of information regarding to like what they would have shown off or whatever. Um, um, I, I did see a, a tweet specifically. This is from Stealth40k um, on X, I guess it's, an, it's a post, not a tweet, because you know, tweet, it's, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um, so uh, they posted, according to the Nate the Hate podcast, the Breath of the Wild demo running on Switch 2 had the following features. Uh, DLSS, 4K resolution, 60 FPS, and minimal load times, which, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, that's sounds about right. Um, I'm... I'm a little skeptical about all this stuff just because like i said like if you think that if they if you think that they're showing it to the press like you were just are mistaken sorry they're not going to show that to the press because like if you think about like who they would show that to who are like the most respected reporters um in games right now people like jason schreier they're not going to show to because they don't want like they don't like him posting leaks and stuff like that you know you yeah like solid reporting um like, like that's just not their whole thing um I'm not trying to say that, like, this is not true, like, flat out. Like, I would say that, yes, they are going to be showing this off to um, devs eventually, obviously, because they have to, like, get those, like, kits out. Um, But, like, to me, a lot of these sorts of things just sound like wish list items. Like, oh, it loaded really good, ran at 60 FPS, loaded uh, really fast, the resolution was great. You know what I mean? Like, these are just, like things that I would want, I guess. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like I don't, uh, I'm not trying to come off cross like I'm being, like, super negative about this or, or, like, I don't believe that they are showing it out off. But, like, what do you think? I think it is completely understandable and um, realistic to hope that the next Switch can have features like this, 4K, 60 frames per second, running pretty recent games like Tears of the Kingdom. I heard other rumors talk about uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake being able to be played on it um, and runs pretty well. Again, these are all rumors. I think that's realistic, and I think the easiest way to kind of back that up is looking at something like the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck is a portable system, massive, huge, computer-based, that can run this kind of stuff. Um, But I think there's going to be a kind of dual side to this uh dual-sided uh consequences i think it's going to be bigger and it's going to be more expensive uh yeah i I would absolutely agree um to me the the thing that like really uh the the most credible source about this information for me comes from um eurogamer who says that developer presentations for the switch 2 took place last uh took place behind closed doors eurogamer understands with partners shown tech demos of how well the system is designed to run it's like that is something that i think that they would not say unless they had, they felt fairly confident that that was actually happening. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, yes, I agree. And, and like, of course they're w- working on their next thing. They've talked about the fact that they're working on their next thing, but like, um, and, and I think this is just one of those things like it didn't we, didn't we, uh, talk about like the switch pro stuff, like not necessarily panning out, um, a while ago. And I think they probably pivoted, 
at a certain point, instead of just coming up with a 0.5 improvement, let's just come up with a 1.0 improvement and let's get a new one out there. Um, Because at a certain point, you can only fix the switch so much before you need to actually just start afresh (laughs) with it and create something new. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential for what could happen next to Nintendo. I just hope they don't fuck it up. Yeah, um... And I, I think they could. They have before. And, and <laughs> but the, we'll the, the worry is that when they fucked up the GameCube, um, they had the Game Boy Advance. When they fucked up the uh, Wii U, they had the they had the, th- Switch. The, the 3DS. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, so now that if they mess up their console, they that is their handheld. They fucked that up, too. Um, unless they decide to have two SKUs, they have their portable switch and they have whatever this next thing is that maybe is still a hybrid, but less of a portable hybrid, I guess, than, Mm -hmm. than anything else. I, I, I'm hopeful. I love Nintendo. I love their games. I hope it can be okay, but I am just a little worried about what that next step could look like. And I hope they don't come back to their old ways. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. I agree. We'll, we'll see sort of how it goes from here speaking of zelda though um in sort of an interesting move uh it was confirmed by i think ag anuma yeah um that there is going to be no dlc for tears of the kingdom just at all and that they're off on working on their next thing which um hey i think that's fine uh, i'm never one we've talked about this before like i'm never one to really like go and dip into dlc when it comes out just because like usually i'm off doing other things um but they basically said Anuma basically said like we've done everything that we wanted to do with um we've done everything we wanted to do with this and so we're we're working on the next the next thing uh what do you think about this uh i think this is even more proof that there's not there's going to be a new switch out there um yeah i agree right um I, I think it'd be a splintered kind of situation. Yeah, I'm sure the new Switch, whatever the hell it is, is going to be able to play Tears of the Kingdom. But like, then they're going to be in that weird spot where they're developing for that and the old one. And I don't think that is necessarily the best way for resources. Perhaps they... Let, let's look at the fine line of this. They're going to be doing a pro version of it that they could have some sort of DLC or extra content on the new system to justify that purchase. But if I know one thing about Nintendo, it doesn't matter. People come out and buy their shit no matter what they do, no matter how they repackage it. They don't have to put any new content to it and people will buy that game twice. Hell, I'll probably buy it twice if I have to. But um, I, I think this to me just tells me that the Switch is being sunset. They're looking to the next thing. Whatever that's going to be like, it'll be on the new system. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair. Yeah, the, the whole thing about just like, they could do a deluxe edition or they could just move on and just do more new stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that that is it, personally, that's, that's what I'm it, preferable. It for. is a bummer to me because some of the best content in breath of the wild was in that DLC. Um, you did mention that before. Yeah. And like, I think the, the puzzle design was really cool in that the boss fight, the final boss fight that you get in there is one of the coolest, best boss fights in a, a Zelda tears of or breath of, I guess this is the of series. I'm like, what do you call these? The genre, of the? the of the series, yeah. Zelda of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 sad, of course, because I just want more tears to play. Another reason to to boot that back up and get lost in it for another hundred hours. But good things on the future. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, I, I, it sort of feels like their whole their whole statement about this was like, well, what more did you want? <laughs> you know, and I think yeah, that's actually fair. 
Um, I mean, anything really like you guys are fucking yeah, knocking you, you, out of the you, park. You know Literally what I, you, yeah, you know what I don't know. So like keep doing that and I like it. I'll say this. I didn't know what I wanted out of Tears of the Kingdom until they did that. Like until they until they did Anuma. what I wanted. You know what I mean? Well, until they like they had that like 15 minute video where it was just like I knew my like playing the beginning of the game and being like, here's what you can do. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> like, oh, my God. To me, it to me it was that trailer with that with that awesome like like score that came on it. Yeah. Like that was what got me. I didn't care. I didn't actually care about the gameplay. I'm like, if I hear at least part of this music in a game that I'm playing and then you get to that final part of it and then woo-wee, and the music kicks up as you're flying through the sky. Woo-wee, and you go reach out your hand at the end. Woo and you redeem yourself woo wee you get all teary and cry you're like woo wee man woo wee indeed woo-wee. Justin you know what's not woo wee um the ne- the the continued drawn out death rattle of E3 <laughs> <laughs> it's, Jesus. so um here's a this is an article uh titled read pop and ESA part ways over E3 by Christopher Dring from um gamesindustry.biz PAX organizer Reed Pop will not be working on future E3 events the company and ESA have confirmed. The ESA has also informed the Los Angeles Convention Center, which is the traditional home of E3, that it will not be putting a show there in 2024. The ESA has not canceled plans for a 2024 event, but if one was to go ahead, it will not take place in that venue. Gamesindustry.biz understands that the trade body is also working on a complete reinvention of the show for 2025. Um, This is a little bit... um, at odds with some of the other news that's out here just saying that like no i guess i guess that whole thing of just like it's not happening in in la if it's going to happen in 2024 but the fact that reed pop has jumped off after a year of having the event and just canceling it in 2023 like i think it is pretty um telling for this so I, I e3 has been like dying for a long time here right and so i think they're trying to figure out how to make it relevant and they were going to do it with read pop, which I think was probably the best move to be entirely honest with you. I think they know how to put a convention on, but they just weren't able to get the interest because all the big companies pulled out, um, like the week or two before, (laughs) like, like things really started going down if you remember. But, uh, what do you think? I mean, this is the perfect thing about like when you're not consistent and you even pause for a year, the market will fill itself up with other replacements and other things for it. And yeah. we have, I think, gotten to a place now where we don't need E3. We want E3. Many of us want E3. I think a lot of fans enjoyed what E3 was. But there's just so much out there right now that I don't think replacing, you know, I don't think I, I miss that much. You get the, you still get these conferences all throughout the summer. And while I'm sorry for publishers who have to cover these random directs and, and conferences that come out every other week, um, I think that drip feed is almost, it makes it more interesting over the summer. Instead of having your complete downtime in like July about like what's happening, like, you know, you kind of know what's out there. You constantly are, get, you get a surprise whenever. Um, and I mean, you you just moved. I'm about to move. Things yep. have gotten expensive in the past three years. Yep. And I don't think these conventions necessarily were cost effective for a lot of these companies. And I don't think, well, for every success story, I'm sure there's stories when people when companies spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for a booth that just never kind of like got the investment back. Um and if they do want to do that, there's still plenty of conferences out there that they can get their their foot in the door for, um, or even just a digital showcase where they can throw a trailer on there and get some information about them. The game we've heard about, I and mean, Fae Farm was one of those we heard on, you know, all these directs and things for a long time. I don't think we're, we, 
the industry needs it anymore. I think many want it, but that doesn't mean we need it. I think like we are. I think we've said this before too, so I don't know how much we need to continue like just reiterating these same things every single time a new thing about the E3 die <laughs> comes up. But I think that also like the the big the real big casualty for all of this is just like the indie games and like maybe the behind the doors or like on the convention floor conversations that happen for not only word of mouth for people who get to like try the game and like talk to the devs right there, but also like. You know, how many Game Pass deals probably came up about because of these things or how many other publishing deals came up about from just like having indie devs there talk to a publisher and show off the game right there on the floor and say, like, what do you think of this? You know, Um, Um, and uh, an example I just heard about was um, Draw the Completionist uh, was talking about Sea of Stars and he was talking about how uh, the messenger was a game that he saw very small. Not a lot of people were talking about it. And they had it at a convention. He played it. He's like, oh, my God, this game is amazing. So he just kept talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. Um, and then uh, left the, the, the conference, came back a few months later to another conference, and it was picked up by Devolver. Um, and they were marketing it with this huge kind of like booth and everything like that because someone that had influence, and in this case it was the completionist, but this could happen to any person coming in trying to push a game, kind of got that game heard and made it popular, more people talking about it to a place where a big developer was able to kind of pick it up and publish it and do whatever they needed to do with it. So yeah, I definitely think that that part is lost um, for sure, um, but I don't think many could even afford it anyway with how expensive things are nowadays. So, uh, and I think that's fair too, right? Just like, yeah, like, yeah, like yes and no, and yes and no, and yes and no, with with all this sort of stuff. But um, either way, it'll be interesting to see what sort of springs up um, as E three. I mean, I guess just Summer Game Fest is is really what has been the the big sort of voice. But um, I don't know. I, I know that 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 has not been. It's not the same as E three. I mean, like at all. And that has been what what it seems like most people who went have said about it. But but also Gamescom is huge, bigger than ever. Um, more yeah. people going there than ever. Tokyo Game Show is coming out. Microsoft's going to have a presence there. Um, I mean, there, there's still stuff there's still out a lot there. Of stuff. And it still yes. fills out the calendar in a way that, unfortunately, I don't think we're missing it um, as much. Like, well, no, I don't know. I think I miss it. But like, I don't think the market is missing it as much as we do, the fans. I, I I can only agree with you here. Um, Justin, reports say that Gearbox is up for sale. Um, this is uh, how did you tell me how to pronounce this fucking website? Uh, <laughs> Reuters, Reuters? Reuters, Reuters, yeah. <laughs> I call Reuters Reuters. Wonderful name here. Uh, they say that Embracer. This is an article titled "Exclusive: Sweden's Embracer." Ways options for Borderlands maker Gearbox Entertainment sources um, by Amy Joe Crowley and uh, Supantha uh, Mukherjee. Um, they say that Embracer is considering options for its U.S. games developer Gearbox Entertainment, including a sale as Europe's largest gaming company looks to shove up, shore up its finances. Three people familiar with the matter told Reuters. 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 Yeah. Reuters. Um. So, uh, um, 
apparently Gearbox is is potentially up for sale, being sold from Embracer. I feel like Embracer just bought them, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe they're old. They were an older sale. Um, but things are not looking great for <laughs> what's going on with Embracer right now, with the layoffs they did with Gearbox Publishing last week, as well as with the just complete uh, sh- shutting of Volition Games. Um, what do you think of this? Anything? Uh, just to clarify, Embracer bought uh, Gearbox in February of 2021, and yeah, okay, pretty uh, a deal that valued the business at up to 1.4 billion dollars. Um, this is according to Reuters. Um, <laughs> oh, there you um, go. So, uh, I, it, it, another big company trying to. F- focus on profits i mean to me i've never viewed the embracer group as like we care about the gamers i i feel like the embracer group is we care about the dollar sign so ip um, really as much as you know i can sit there and um you know talk about xbox one way or another i truly think phil spencer cares about gamers and their decisions when they're when they're acquiring studios they care about obviously money too to a certain point but look at starfield like they pushed that back to a point where um you know many thought it would be a horrible game and look at it six million people playing it so far so i think a company like embracer is only going to keep doing stuff when the dollars don't necessarily make sense to it and it's not going to be funding these games or even like trying to help these games get better um because they they don't care about the game they care about the money um yeah so I brought Xbox up because I, I honestly do think they care about games. So, well, and, and like, that's certainly the way they make it seem right. And I, like, I think that's at the end of the day, not how Embracer feels <laughs> like really at all. Nope. Um, yeah. So, so I guess we'll see here. Um, they, they seem to be in a tough spot at the moment with their, with their, um, the closure of Volition layoffs. And then now this, um, uh, there were a lot of stories about them acquiring a lot of stuff over the past few years. And it might be just one of the cases of like, they bought way too much more than they could actually handle and w- like publish and deal with. Um, so there you go. Justin, to talk about Liza P one last time here, um, there's a, something kind of interesting that happened. Um, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of people talking about this. I guess this story has been up for less than an, an, a, a day. Um, but this was uh, tweeted out by Stephen Totillo, who read this article, and, and I, I gave it a read. Um, essentially, uh, let me read you the, the headline here. This is um, from videogames.si.com, which I think is the Sports Illustrated um, video game section here. Liza P. originally featured a mission based on ACAB okay, by Georgina Young. Um, basically, the summary of this is in older... Uh, pr- uh, what's the word? Promotional uh, images for... Um, Lies of P, there was a puppet strung up and crucified on a bridge, and there was a sign that says uh, APAB, which um, people think, <laughs> people thought stood for All Puppets Are Bastards, which is a play on ACAB, which is All Cops Are Bastards, which is a um, sort of anti cop sentiment. And um, that message has kind of been just erased from the game uh in in like the demo it's gone because you end up going to this bridge it's like one of the first boss fights is on this bridge it's, it's a pretty pretty early like maybe one or two hours into the game um and and that sign is simply gone um and so this person georgina young was able to interview um 
what's what's his name here? The director of the game, Jiwon Choi, um, about <laughs> about Lies of P during Gamescom, and they asked the director um, about it, saying like, "Was this what was this? Was this something <laughs> that that?" was supposed to be in the game that got cut or what. And so, um, G Y G one, G one, uh, Choi, excuse me, um, was very happy to talk about it actually. And, um, so basically they said like, what did that stand for? And although G one Choi did not, does not speak much English. And this was, um, this conversation sort of happened between a translator. Um, it says his face lit up and, um, one sentence came out in fluent English. All puppets are bastards. I couldn't ex- uh, contain my excitement. While there were only like <laughs> 10 people in the whole world who cared about this image, I cared, and I was there in that room. The mystery of the crucified puppet had been solved. And even better, Choi was able to dispel the mystery surrounding the image and why it was so difficult to find on the internet. And this is a quote from Choi then. That was one of the messages we were going to use in the game, but we ended up taking it out, Choi explains. We took it out eventually because we wanted everyone to enjoy the game exactly how we wanted it to be exactly how we intended it to be enjoyed and not based on any trends. We really wanted what we really wanted the world that we designed to be interpreted by the players exactly how we aimed it to be. So we took out any factors that could be a little risky. We respect everyone who might want to play this game and we wanted everyone to get the best experience out of it. But you did see it right. It was all puppets are bastards. Uh, And then uh, Georgina Young does go on to say, like, it's easy to see why it was taken out, but it seems that Choi was originally passionate about the messaging as it was included in the promotional image. So what do you think about this? I I, like this is obviously a very pointed political message here um, that was removed from the game. And I do understand why. Like, it is a a pretty like maybe I don't particularly think it's a very extreme uh, sentiment. And like in, in the groups I run with, it definitely is not. Um, but I imagine that it is in other sort of corners of the political spectrum and the world. Um, so what, what do you think about removing something like that? Like even just a reference to something like all cops are bastards from a, a game like this. I think it's hard, um, in general to kind of toe the line specifically. I, I know this is something that I think is specifically, uh, referencing American culture and society, Um, because no matter what side of the political spectrum you fall on, um, 45 people disagree with you. 45% of people disagree with you. 45% of people agree with you and 10% of people, eh, they could go either way. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so when you are trying to find a way to make sure that your game is marketed to the most people and get to the most people, you want to make sure you're not funneling off either those two 45% or you're not even mm-hmm. like playing for the middle of it. So you want to make sure that you are making it as open as possible for people to play. Um, I don't necessarily think that the uh, APAB statement um, is necessarily something that is meant to piss off uh, a, a portion of people when it was there. Yeah. I think it's a play on words. I think it's a reference. I think it's something that um, was meant to be a comparison because what are, you know, games and culture, but like a reflection of society at a lot of the times. Um, so I think it is a very kind of like tough thing because and this is what I find as being a teacher too. Um, no matter what my opinions are as a teacher, it's not my job to, like tell people my opinions it's to teach people to think and have good opinions right Mm -hmm. and 
I would firmly believe that my opinions are good opinions, but that's not my job to share my opinions with, with people. It's to teach them how to think for themselves, to justify and hopefully have those, those moments. Yeah. So I think it's tough. Um, to me, this is not like not offensive, but like, let's, let's, let's say something like if it was like saying something that, um, was making fun of, uh, anti-Semitic people, right. Um, should you remove that from a game because you want anti-Semitic people to play your game? And that's the thing, right? Like it's, it's such a weird for me, for me, if I can, um, I always liked, I always like when, when art has a message and art has a meaning, you know what I mean? And like, I think to be honest, the inclusion of something like all puppets are bastards as a reference to all cops are bastards does a weird thing for the like message of the game and the story of the game, um, which I could talk about in a minute here. So like to me, it muddies what the actual message is and makes it a little bit more of a weird um, thing <laughs> uh, for, for lack of a better term. Um, but like I do really like when when a game has something to say, right? Like and, and when a piece of art has something to say. So if that is something that was at the core of. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Lies of P. Then I want that to be in there, you know, and, and to your point about like the anti-Semitism thing, like I, I remember when Wolfenstein 2 came out, there was um, one of its it was came out, I think, 2017. And one of the trailers um, had the slogan or like the line, make America Nazi free again. And it was just like, a, a you know, at the very end of a of a um of a trailer of just like a montage of just like murdering Nazis in that game, which is what that game is about fundamentally. And they were asked uh, the, the director, I think, or, or one of the lead developers was asked about like, Hey, are you worried about like, uh, uh, having pe uh, alienating people based on, on political views? And they were basically like, if you're a Nazi, you, I don't want you playing my game, you know, <laughs> like, like, and especially it's a game about killing Nazis and that should not go on like, that should not go over anyone's head about what that video game is about. You know what I mean? About what the message of that game is about. And I think that that is a good point, right? For something like Lies of P where like, I don't know if you, it is being made with a specific political intention in mind. Like, yeah, maybe delete that if you're not trying to, to anger people. Um, but um, I, I find it interesting, especially because it seems like the director um, was kind of passionate about it and, and, didn't want it to be removed or, or maybe just was excited that someone else was interested in, in it. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it, it is always the sort of thing where like, I'm always interested in, in games as um, either political allegory or having political messages and, and stuff like that. And I, I find that to be um, always very interesting. And I'm always interested to talk about that. Even, even when it is something that like might be something I might disagree with. I'm interested in dissecting that sort of stuff, but I, and I think it's hard to, um, and like you said something that really kind of hit me, like my initial like thoughts on it when you said like art are meant to like, uh, have a perspective. Like what, what was your exact quote on that? I don't remember, but this is recorded. So it's there. Um, It'll but, be there. Like but, something like, uh, like it's meant to have a point. Meant it, to yeah. Say something. Art is meant to have a point. Um, but this is while games are art, games are also products and sure. You know, it's it's towing that line. When is it too much? When is it not? And even going back to the Wolfenstein thing, um, yeah, yeah, Nazis are bad. I think like ninety nine percent of society will tell you that that is true, right? Yeah. Um, but 
uh, the making the connection to the Make America Great Again, that creates issues because that clumps people like everyone who is a you know a Trump supporter that seems to reference that well they also um, you know are a Nazi. And it goes back to the the reason why Donald Trump won the election. I, I always point back to this one moment when Hillary Clinton uh, said that Trump supporters are this basket of deplorables and basically called everyone a horrible person who supported Trump. And while mm-hmm. that's true for a part, part of you know them, I'm sure there are terrible people in every who support every politician. The people who you know those ten percent in the middle heard that and they're like, "I'm not a terrible person. How dare you call me a terrible person?" They fight back at that. So it sure. is like one of those just like towing the line. And with this game being something that is ultimately not about um, that political message, from what you're saying, correct? If that is the political message, it is. It's that's a loss an on you, take. right? <laughs> it, well, it's, it's like it made, it made me go like. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I um, which I, I'd be interested in talking about, but I, I don't necessarily find this to be like a, an issue with censorship or anything like that because they're trying to make this game sell the best it can, and um, yeah, it, it's it's just one of those tough things. It's the sort of thing where, like, to me, like this, like I am always for creatives having a say, like being able to say what they want, right? Like make the game about what you want to make it about to me this is a game that like just isn't about this right (laughs) i mean like it would be one thing if if wolfenstein 2 took out stuff like this because that is a game that is very pointedly political like like it ends the game by them like all talking into the camera directly to you saying like here's what's up you know um and and um so, so like if that were a game that that was either censored or censored itself or whatever then i think that yeah like that's when I would say it starts to become an issue because you are making a game that has a very explicit political message. Right. Whereas lies of P um, it doesn't, or, or at least like it doesn't feel like it does. And and I would say that if it does, if you want to really look, dissect the politics of it, I would say it's, it's kind of bad. <laughs> um, just to give you a quick rundown of the story. basically puppets are made to be servants of everyone. Uh, they're mass produced. And then all of a sudden they go, crazy and kill all of the humans and um like fight back and you it is your job to go and kill the puppets and to try and like restore order essentially and like hey they were slaves that's that's bad they shouldn't be slaves if they were like feeling people (laughs) if they were like like sentient (laughs) that's bad but also like taking this a different way isn't associating the a cab with the a pab yes that is also and saying that the puppets are the, the puppets police are the, officers the, and they like they some of them are like some of the puppets are police but like not all of them it's a whole thing where like that message to me completely like completely like does a bad job of like <laughs> of, of it makes the a political message out of this game that like if you really want to d- dive into what its politics are they probably aren't very good you know, you know what I mean? Um, uh, in, in terms of like, if you want to use them as a, as an allegory for anything, it's, it's just not, yeah. it's just not uh, worth looking into. I would say it's all unintentional. Oh yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, I would not say that it's meant to be as an intentional thing here, but like, it's still just something that like, and no thanks. End of the no day, thanks. friends, no matter what you believe, no matter what you think, no matter whatever, lead with empathy and kindness in the world. Yeah. And it will be a better place. So please yeah. do that. Easy, easy. There you go. All, All puppets. Empathet- empathetic people are bastards. A-E-A-B. 
Alb. Alb. <laughs> doesn't have the flow to it, I don't think. I don't. No, not quite. Not uh, quite. Yeah, so, hey, there you go. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is episode number 159 of Hitbox, a video game podcast. Uh, if you want to, you can join us on Discord. The link to that is in the description of this episode. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hitboxpod, become a $1 podcast producer, a $3 deluxe podcast producer. Um, if not, uh, jo- sorry, join the ranks of Dave Parker and Jane Hall. Gotta say that top and the bottom uh we're doing more lies of p if you want to hear more and want to see more and um, and remember a special special oh and justin's gonna vor his switch yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna try and get that whole thing in the I'm mouth do my best um, impersonation of a kirby yeah yeah or just like a, a snake a big old snake um that can only be found on patreon.com slash hitboxpod for three dollars a month um what else was i saying here oh yeah you can follow us on twitter if that's not really your style if the patreon thing doesn't really uh suit you follow us on twitter slash x whatever you want to call it um at hitboxpod that's where we reside justin am i forgetting anything here i don't think i am no i you've every check box was marked every t was dotted every i was crossed fantastic yeah yeah. i was gonna i was trying to why when i make a why i do two is that regular how do you do like do you how do you do an upper lowercase k i do a vertical line Uh and then i do like a like a sideways v okay because i do the vertical line and then like a little loop down oh that's kind of like a like a cursive k yeah but like yeah that's like that's like my lowercase k yeah, I feel like most adults that I know have some sort of weird, like, like cursive, regular, like print script hybrid. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, um, maybe maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do a deep dive into our own handwriting in a, in a deluxe podcast episode. Yeah, I, we're not gonna do that. Yeah, I'm just um, in the chat. This is how I write my K's. Let's take a look here. Yeah, all right. It's like a cursive kind of hybrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out K. Yeah. Anyway, we will catch you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Always remember, old games are old. Bye. Bye.